back season four of the telly award-winning podcast coming at you like john dalton at the double deuce picking the biggest guy in the room shattering his knee and watching him drop like a stone <laughs> i am rylan grant screenwriter Ringo award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Van Jackson, Napa, Sharing Origins, The Other Voice of the Dark, The Man on the Box to the Left is... Uh, David Avalone, uh, writer of comics and TV and stuff, and uh, drinking drinking wine from a juice class like the Italian grandpa. Nice. Mm. Uh, if you missed any of our previous conversations, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Rodney Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, uh, Apple Pods, and other purveyors of worthwhile aircraft. So double on back and check it all, all out. I'm tripping over my words already today. That's a bad sign. Um, my so favorite that, part of your intro, by the way, was Ray in the green room. I can see Ray in the green room nodding along with the Dalton references. Yes, we're all big, we're all in the Roadhouse together, guys. That's big it's, Roadhouse fan uh, in the green room. Uh, yeah. Before we get to him and uh, all the goodness that he brings to our show, uh, what do you got for us this week, Avalani? What are you, um, you saying? In two weeks, doing math. In two weeks, Elvira in Horrorland will drop um, issue one. Very excited about that. Uh, on May 20th, I'll be doing a signing at Golden Apple of it. There may be a Valley signing before that. I haven't locked that down yet. Nice. And other things going on, but that's the, that's, the, that's the newest, latest. How about you? Oh, their goodness. Um, it, you know, the I, I make the Roadhouse reference and always right over my shoulder right here. I don't know if you can see my thumb. This is great radio right now. But I pointed it out one or two times before, but I actually own Patrick Swayze's uh, uh, People's Choice uh, Award certificate for um, for the 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 sort of Roadhouse uh, 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 point break, uh, you know, the e e ear. Um, wow. So so if I'm sitting here writing my 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 intro. I am always, um, I'm like, oh man, what should I do? What should I do? And every once in a while, Patrick uh, will whisper in my ear, you know? Sure. So, so sure. it comes to me. Inspiration comes to me. That's why I write in this crazy room full of goodness. Um, but uh, the Jump 3 Kickstarter uh, just ended. If you missed it uh, for some reason, if you're crazy, if you were um, uh, infirmed, wow. perhaps, uh, uh, if you were dead to the world, you were uh, hiding out in a bunker, um, you can uh, head on over to... Uh, the jump3.backerkit.com and check out our backer kit shop. It has uh, everything you missed and more uh, signed copies of Aberrant and Banjax and uh, Suicide Jockeys and the Peacekeepers and all that good stuff. It has uh, rare convariants and rare uh, comic book experiences. Uh, it is the one-stop Ryan Grant shop. You should check it out. It's great. It's good. It's big. It's bad. It's fun. But uh, I'm talking too much, so let's get Ray in here. I'm excited to talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Ray Anthony Height. Hello, hello. Hey, Ray. I, I thought thanks. you were doing just fine, Rylan. It was fine. <laughs> it was, was a-okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining fact. us. You know, we we've had Ray on the show only as a panel guest yes. uh, when we've put up um, various panels because we always love having Ray on a panel. He has a great perspective and a great warmth and humanity, which uh, is always always welcome in sh in the show business. But Ray, tell the kids at home just a little bit about yourself. Um, my name is Ray Anthony Height, and I bring comic writer's dreams to reality. Um, that's pretty much it. 
That's I, excellent. I draw, I draw, I draw their stuff. Um, That's excellent. My own I, stuff too. I uh, Ray and I met at LA Comic Con, where I was stuck in a corner called Creators Corner, and I don't mean stuck <laughs> in a bad way. Um, through the kind offices of the Comic Bug and Collectors Paradise, uh, put us all together, and I had Chuck Patton across from me and you behind me. Yeah, uh, which was a pretty sweet crossfire to be in and uh got a chance to talk to both of you and uh you and you 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 graced my sketchbook with an ig88 drawing which i looked at just the other day which is excellent because i had your uh i think that was for something rodney wrote is that right i i can't remember i think it was for i I think you're i i i also got an issue from you that was i think the uh, rodney bounty hunters issue Oh uh, yeah, I think so. That yeah, that yeah. you had done a that you had done a cover for, which is why we got into talking about my favorite killer, uh, Android. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, how did well, give us a little bit of the origin story? How do you get into this? Where where does it all start for you? Oh, I'll give you uh, the the very shortened version. Um, you know, I I got into comics uh, essentially because I watched the Spider Man cartoon. And uh, a cousin, are you talking about 68 or yes, I am. I am absolutely. I mean, the uh, theme song is is still rocking and rolling, right? (laughs) So, you know, yeah, uh, it's a classic. Listen, bud, he's got late radioactive blood is worthy, yes, full porter as far as (laughs) lyrics go. Is he strong? Listen, bud, he's got radioactive (laughs) Radioactive blood. blood. Uh, that's some great stuff, Spider Man, yeah, so yeah. It's it's uh it's sexy, it's kooky, it's definitely hardcore 60s, you know what I mean? I love so, that those um, co- those commercial those cartoons have a feeling of 1960s Marvel yes. that is unrivaled. Like the way it feels like Stan Lee is writing them is pretty intense. Like I don't I can't think of anything else that's as pure right into the veins. 1960s Marvel. Isn't it? It's, it's so. Uh, what is it? Mary Marvel marching band. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> very. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Mary Marvel marching it, society. Mar- marching society. I think. Or Foom friends of old Marvel. Yes. Wow. There we go. Pulling out the old timer stuff today. Wow. But, yeah, we're dating ourselves. Yeah, yep. for sure. And, and, and I, dates, I thought anyway. it was entirely possible you were talking about the 90s Spider Man comics uh cartoons which were nice that one one was good too that was that was a good one my friend sarah my friend sarah toga was the voice of mary uh of uh mary jane and did a great job on that but uh but yeah the the there was something weird and haunting about those 60s uh spider-man cartoons and i i would always argue that sometimes limited animation make shit look cooler and more surreal than full animation. I mean, you just know? think about it now. It's a meme, you know, thanks yeah. to uh, Spider-Verse, right? Yeah. It's super, super cool. Um, and they've been using it. They're going to use it to death. And they're going to, you know, in this next upcoming sequel, it's going to be like ultra, ultra mega used. Yeah. Um, well, um, I, yeah. As, as an aside about the multiverse, I think the, the way that both Warner Brothers and Disney, yep, we got we got something collapsing over there. Uh, the, the way that both Marvel, 
the way that both Marvel and Disney have leaned into the multiverse seems so, and I mean this in a in a good way, so fan forward in the sense that that yeah. thing you love, it's real. Yes. Like whatever version yeah. of Spider-Man is your version of Spider-Man, totally valid. Whatever version yeah. is your version of any character, your fan casting of John Krasinski as as Reed Richards, Reed Richards totally yeah. valid. Yeah. It's as real as anything else, and we're going to make it a that shitty TV show with Anthony Mountain's <laughs> Black Bolt. Totally happened. We're telling you it only happened in a universe we all want to forget about, but it totally happened. Wow. And I, well, Agents I of S.H.I.E.L.D. Think... wasn't bad. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't a bad Agents show. of S.H.I.E.L.D. was okay. Agents I enjoyed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like the fact that, like, they made, was it Bill Paxton playing Garrett from uh, Electra Assassin from Sankevich and Miller's Electra Assassin? They had yeah. one, like, bad S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's the scumbag from uh, that 80s miniseries we all love. And it, and it fit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Patton Oswalt playing Eric Schmidt, who was originally the German member of the Howling Commandos. This is how this is the depth of my understanding of comic books. Well, knowing you, David, I know that you actually really enjoyed Howling Commandos. So oh, I love the Howling Commandos. Yeah. I, I grew up I I'm not so I always use Sam Jackson actually as the example, like when fans are being racist. I'm like, if I can let go of white Nick Fury from my childhood, <laughs> who was my favorite comic book character, by the way, without a doubt, there was no black Nick Fury when I was six. There was white Nick Fury. Uh, if I can let go of that and embrace Sam Jackson, you fuckers can take your black mermaid and and be happy, man. Like, just get the, get the fuck over it. It's fine. I, I would love to have a conversation about that entire thing. I, I, I had a conversation uh, uh, with uh, a friend of mine, um, Kevin Grievous, yesterday, gave me a call, mm -hmm. and, and we talked about different things. I won't get into the, the ins and outs of the conversation, but essentially for me, my side of it was let's take the whole Ariel and Little Mermaid thing. The fact that she's black has absolutely nothing, her skin color has absolutely nothing to do with the importance of that character. It right. is not directly connected to that character, yeah. right? I mean, it, it just isn't. She's got a fishtail for her lower half. <laughs> right. Check, <laughs> right? She's yeah, got and, red and hair. Check. Yeah. yeah, right? No, and speaking of stuff that you've actually worked on, like, I, I don't miss Moon Boy. I'm fine oh, with huh. Lunella Lafayette. Uh, Lunella, I love Lunella Lafayette. Moon Boy was not that interesting, frankly. It was not. Uh, I, Devil I, I Dinosaur Kermit, was the star. Yeah, <clears throat> you know. Always. And Lunella is amazing and a fantastic character. I've been watching the animated show because I'm five, and uh, it's fucking great. It's fucking and you great. know what's funny? I thought, oh, you know, I'm watching this because I'm tangentially, tangentially connected to it. Um, but I love the character and, and everything. I, I feel a certain family to it, but the show mm -hmm. I would watch even if I hadn't worked on the comic. Yeah. 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 We're like I said, we're sitting around watching it. We love watching it as particularly a thing to make us feel good after we watch all of the high quality entertainment that makes us feel bad. Yes, actually, <laughs> you know, yes. Like after That's an episode so well of 
after an episode of Perry Mason reminds us there is no justice in this world, we're like, no, let's watch Lunella Lafayette beat some shit up. And uh, and wait, and is, is Perry Mason back on? Is the new Perry Mason back on? They, it just yeah. ended. The second season yeah. oh, crap. Okay. has just okay. come and gone. Uh, and it was it was a great season. I loved it. But it was yeah. but it's like a lot of what we love watching is super dark. Yeah, yeah. To, it is. to be able to escape into. Uh, and I don't know if you are you caught up on Moon Girl? Are you up to the end of the first season? I I am not. I'm trying to catch up on work. You know, I mean. Then I will not spoiler. I will not spoiler it because all, all I know I'm, is this: I'm waiting to see some of the stuff that we did in the comic show up in a new way. Yeah. Right. I yeah. love their take. I love what they're yeah. doing with it. And I, I want to see if that translates. There's there's some stuff in the last couple of episodes where I went, oh, wait, this doesn't take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. This is its own little. There are a couple of things that clearly demonstrate that shit that has happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, is that what it is? Or does this show crypto take place in like 2003? And we've all never noticed it. <laughs> like, there's, you know what? Maybe. Like, there are cell phones and social media, but there was cell phones and social media starting to happen then. Or is it its own discrete uh, universe? Which, again, I'm fine with. I love that the original Moon Girl and Moon, uh, uh, Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. There was that period where Jack Kirby was at his most batshit. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that. Tracing the lineage from Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur back to back to Kirby <laughs> doing his crazy ass 2001: A Space Odyssey adaptation, and in introducing Moon Boy in that, and then spinning him off with Devil, Di- like the fact that Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur connects to 2001: A Space Odyssey, oh yeah, is some crazy you know pop culture madness. I, well, uh, I remember yeah. when they were trying to to add Moon Boy, if I'm not mistaken, as a mutant. Yeah, well, as sure. one of the first mutants. Remember that? Sure. Yeah, and, and it was in the Marvel Universe, and it was the whole thing. Uh, uh, you know, the official handbook. And yeah. um, I'm like, okay, I guess technically, if you really want to be scientific about it, that's true. But then yeah. everyone was technically a mutant because they were an offshoot. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, no, eh, anyway. They know that mutant is one of those things where they're like, if he's a mutant, people will buy them. Then suddenly, this is an X book, and yes, people love exactly. love Let's their X books. And it's like, no man, just you know, I get tired of sorting out who's a mutant, who's a who 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 ha- who's the result of a bad experiment, who's you know. <laughs> I always love. There's a there. yeah. one of my favorite things ever in Venture Brothers. Uh. I don't know if you watch Venture Brothers, but the the oh, I definitely was a big fan. Yeah, the uh, the bodyguard character played by Warburton is hanging out with oh, Phantom, yes. with Phantom Limb, and he says, "How yeah, how'd you get like that anyway?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, there was an explosion in my laboratory." And Warburton says, "What is it? Every time an experiment goes wrong, you guys start sewing yourself with parasites and becoming a pain in my ass." Oh my god! <laughs> that all supervillains are some are are wrong. scientists who screwed up something, yeah. uh, with that great voice of his. But anyway, to I want to circle back. We always okay. love uh, all digressions on this show are welcome. But you are from Los Angeles originally. Uh, my yes? hometown is Compton, California. 
Very Hall nice. NWA. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And uh, and how did you get from there to working in mainstream comics? That's a that's a long road. It's it's a lot of work because growing I up bet. in the the early eighties and, and and you know nineties, I didn't know anyone in the industry who looked like me. I mean, and and there for the most part during that time, it was kind of staying alive. Yep. You know what I mean? Staying out of trouble, staying alive, and and keeping your head on a swivel. Um, so, you know, comics was a thing I always loved. It was an escape. I mean, it's, it's gunshots. It's, it's, uh, you know, that kind of craziness and drugs and whatever. So the best way to kind of stay away from that, get yourself a bunch of comics, stay in your room and escape somewhere else. Uh, so quite honestly, cartoons and comics, that was, that was my way of staying safe. Uh, it was something I could understand. I was always a cerebral kind of kid anyway. Um, it's and and what I understood about what was outside, I knew how to navigate that that kind of uh, arena, but that wasn't my world. And um, my interest just grew. I drew, I drew all the time. I would create my own worlds. that's that was my escape. Um, and it just built it uh, kind of upon that. so. I don't know. I loved Mighty Mouse as a kid. Um, like I, you know, I liked uh, cartoons. My nickname is Mickey, as a <laughs> Mickey Mouse. That's uh, when I was when I was a kid. Uh, I, apparently, a nurse gave me that nickname. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I, I I feel like growing up, I had a group of friends who were into the same thing. And and for me, I lived in two worlds. I was part of the nerd geek culture, but I was you know, somewhere else where most of my cousins and all that, they were uh, either in, in gangs or doing other things. You know, I, I, again, I had one foot in, one foot out, which ma actually made me safe. I mean, my mm -hmm. brothers definitely were, were hardcore into that, the, the hood world. And, um, but it made me safe because people respected that about me. Like, oh, you know, he can draw. That was the other thing. If you could draw in the hood, you had some respect. Mm -hmm. uh, for sure, for sure. You could do that. Um, and and when comics came along and my cousin kind of like, hey, here's a stack of Conans, you know, Jumbo Sima Conans and hmm. all that. I was like, whoa. And, and here's Spider-Man and here's Luke Cage and, and uh, you know, Pyro and Iron Fist and all that. I was like, that's awesome. And that was it for me. Um, and, and after that, you know, my dad took me to Jeffrey's Comics. Uh, and now I knew that there was a place I can go to with like-minded people, not just 7-Eleven or you know, crowns, sure. uh, drugs. Or whatever, I remember right? buying, I remember buying, I, I am buying comics in 7-Elevens years old. I right? certainly remember that. And that's why you could never follow anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. why all comics were self-contained, yes. if at all possible. That's why you had that terrible expository writing where everyone, <laughs> everyone's Editor. name and power had to be on the first page. By Editor's Edinburgh. note. Dictate. Oh yeah, the editor's note. Yeah, the But beyond the editor's note, you also get yeah. even even Chris Claremont. I always make fun of this, but even Chris Claremont, the first page of every issue of X Men for like a decade is, say Cyclops who can shoot I beams. Why are we here on Muir Island? Yeah, visiting my old colleague uh, Moira McTaggart. Well, Professor Xavier, who can read minds and is the leader of the X Men, comma I, you know. It's, I'm so glad we don't have to do David, that. David, you know it wasn't that bad, but it was <laughs> really? definitely excessive. 
There's a yeah. lot of as you know. I, I don't yeah. want to get too far away from it, Ray, because you and yeah. I have connected uh, uh, about this, you know, uh, while on panels. Um, you know, the the power of what we do, you know, yeah. um, I mean, because I, I grew up not unlike you. I mean, it was a different place and slightly di different circumstances, but I grew up in a housing project in, in Detroit. And, oh, um, wow. and it was, you know, it was, it was more outside my window and, and, uh, you know, and, and there was a lot of trouble to get into, you know, when I got into some, <laughs> but, but, but not as much as I should. And, um, the adults around me were, were not a ton of help. They were not the best examples. I was not learning right and wrong from my mother, you know what I'm right. saying? And, and, uh, so I learned right and wrong. Uh, I learned how to be a man. I learned what to value. I learned what duty and responsibility and honor was. I learned that from from comic books. I learned that from the TV. I, I learned more from Captain Picard than I did from my parents, you know? Um, uh, and, 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 and that was the reason that I got out of, you know, the, the situation I was in. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm writing movies instead of back home or, or, or worse. Right. Yeah, and, um, and, and I think that's pretty profound. And, you know, what I, what I've always realized the panels that you and I have been on together is that, that we both, we both recognize that. I mean, for some, this is fun or for some, this is entertainment and, and that's great. And it should be, it needs to be entertaining. It does need to be fun. Um, but I think you and I, uh, and it's not to say that only you and I, but, but I, you know, I, I, I think not everybody realizes this is that there's a, there is a responsibility in doing this, right? Uh, I could have said it better myself. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. The stuff that you draw is going to be consumed by someone who's, you know, who's, who, who's like you years ago, right? Who's, yeah. who's in a situation and this is his escape or her escape. This is, uh, you know, and, 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 and so I think if we have somebody's ear like that, um, then we do have a responsibility to, to give them something, give them a nugget, you know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And it's even more so now because, you know, the world, I feel like, and I know you guys both probably agree they're almost forcing your hand into being a bitter son of a bitch. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's um, they're, they're forcing you to look at it in such a, a dystopian, like, you know, terrible way. And the world can be two things. I tell my kids that all the time. You can exist. Two things can exist in the same space at the same time, regardless mm -hmm. of what science tells you. Uh, but um it, it can, like, you can have, the world can be the most absolutely beautiful, awe-inspiring thing ever, and in the next moment, be a shitstorm, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And and you're looking to check out, and, and I want people, I feel like I've taken it upon myself to, to show more of the other side, the beautiful side, the hopeful side, you know, because there's people that's telling you, um, you know, it's going to be hellfire and brimstone all the time. And yep. they're preaching it. And everything that comes out of their mouth is gloom and doom. You get tired of that. You know what I mean? Like you, you turn on the news. Uh, my wife and I were just talking about this. It, it used to be on, on um, Fox. You know, we used to watch in the morning, uh, Tony McEwen and all those guys. Uh, and it would be a whole 20 minutes. And it's like the world's on fire, you know, batting down the hatches or escape or whatever. And then there's like five, maybe four minutes of just, cute bunnies, you know, you know, it's a fluff, right? So it's like, there's a lot of in between. It's a lot of gray area in there. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not one extreme or the next, but the way people are going about life right now, 
it, they're choosing that. It's either either or. It's it's no middle ground. There's a lot of gray. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah, Ron is exactly it. Like uh, with Midnight Tiger, the whole thing for that book and that theme is to show uh, hope and and how to inspire people in situations where you and I have grown up, where there is outside your door, it feels like there is despair, but that's not necessarily true. The hope lies within the individual, within the community. It's the those small, it's like one person who's so despicable that they're kind of blanketing everybody with the BS and with the fear and with all that. And they're making people scared, afraid to stand up. You know, we're stronger together all the time, always, right? And it's hard to be angry or upset or whatever when someone treats you with kindness. You know how much trouble I've gotten out of just smiling at somebody and giving them a kindness? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and typically when people are angry, it's because they've been bereft of those things. You know, they grew up where they're in an abused home or, or, you know, all these different things. And they're angry and they're looking to lash out. And if you say, you know, hey, I'm sorry, can I help you? I yeah. want to listen. That's the biggest one. People want to be heard. More than anything. Listen to them. Yeah, right? More than so anything. That's yeah. it. I've, I've always joked that uh, I could become a millionaire if I could turn my self-help book into more than two words. Because <laughs> uh, the, the, my, particularly about relationships, my self-help book is pay attention. Yes, that's it. That's the whole book. If I, I must make, have read that book. If I could make that from seven, if I could make that be eighty thousand words, I could sell a million copies. But unfortunately, it's just two words. But the the degree to which people will respond to you if you pay attention to them, and uh, and not in a you know you can absolutely abuse that power. By the way, but yes, uh, but people get so much out of being listened to. And part of creating art, uh, telling stories, is you tell people stories and they recognize them and they learn something from them and they feel seen. I've told this this story before, but I had a terrible circumstance happen in my family and a three-day run of peanut strips, six panels, well, no, nine panels, saved my life. Because it helped me understand Linus is going through something that I did not know I had been through my whole life. And I saw it and I went, that's how my sister sees me. Hmm. That's that's why Lucy doesn't want to be in my life anymore. I'm patting birds on the head. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go right on patting birds on the head and, and the hell with that, you know. But literally that and a sequence in the first season of Better Call Saul that also happened while I was going through this made me understand my own life better than a year and a half therapy had. And the therapy was great and it helped, but the art therapy, the seeing myself and going, oh, holy shit, I'm, I'm Jimmy McGill. Oh, the, person yeah. that I, the person that I think loves me and is supporting me and is stand, has been standing behind me since I was a little kid has resented me their entire life and has undermined me, but it was invisible to me because I love them. Well, yeah. it, yeah, I didn't it, get it, that it, from therapy. I got that yeah. from Better Call Saul and Peanuts. 
and, and so when I talk about this responsibility as a creator, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that you know you have to preach, you know, that you have to teach after school special lessons. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? <laughs> that 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 you have to. Um, you know, make it all rainbows and butterflies and roses and stuff like that. But but you you owe them something true and something real. And, yes. and, and it can it can be ugly. It can be dirty. It can be bruised up. Oh man, he was making a good point. What happened? No, and then he froze. Oh, it was too good. You got to <laughs> repeat that. You got to repeat that last like okay. five seconds. You got as far as it may be screwed up. Oh, it, it may be ugly. It may be screwed up. It may be bruised, but but you owe them something real, and you owe them yeah. something true, and you, you you know something that 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 they you know you something they will see themselves in, and 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 the smallest thing can be transformative. And 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 I've told this story before, maybe on this podcast, but I know I've, I I know I've, I've told this with a uh, with a panel on Ray that we may or may not have broadcast, but. Um, you know, Aberrant is Aberrant is a big bad Hollywood action movie, right? It's it's yeah. uh it's you know um how, how it, I'm reimagining the military if there were people with with superpowers and geopolitics, right? I mean that couldn't be bigger and more Hollywood than, than possible, but really what it is is it is a small story about grief and about PTSD. A guy you know a guy who never had a family finds a family in the army. He loses them in an, in an attack, and he mm -hmm. spends the rest of the the ten issue series trying to deal with that. And, um, and, you know, and it is me working out my PSD, my PTSD from uh, when I grew up, losing people when I grew up, losing my dad to, you know, my dad died of cancer caused by Agent Orange in Vietnam and, and, and. Oh, it happened again. It happened again. It's when, when Ryan got some good stuff going. Yeah. Ryland, you, you gotta, you gotta, hello, knock, knock. <laughs> oh, technology. I love technology. So fun, you got fun, as far fun. as your dad dying of Agent Orange. Yeah, it's weird. It's like they, it knows right when to cut out, right when I'm yeah. uh, uh, starting to make a point. But, um, but you know, so so I wrote this story about that. You know, of course, it was a big, entertaining Hollywood, you know, comic booky action movie thing. But it was it was about something. You know, uh, it, 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 I, I was dealing with real stuff there. And um, and some people read it and they just get entertainment value out of it. Oh, this is a big Hollywood thing. This is fun. Right. Other people read it and and they see something that they're dealing with there, you know. And 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 when I see that, when they see that, you know, I I mean I, I've been at conventions and you know aberrant is years ago, and I will have people come up to me, you know, ex servicemen or whatever, and 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 you know they got tears in their eyes, and they're like, man, I was going through a tough moment in my life. I was dealing with all this stuff from when I served or I was dealing with all this stuff because of my dad or whatever. And I read this book and, and this book helped me. And issue three, when you said this, you know, it's like you're talking about Abalone. It's like it, it is, you know, uh, panel six uh, on page 10 and issue three is, is, is their Peanuts cartoon, right? Yeah. And they're like, thank you for this because I, I felt seen. I felt heard. I realized I wasn't alone. I realized that other people are going through the same stuff I am. And so when I say there's a responsibility, I think you owe them that. You owe them truth. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you know, and and yeah. it, it, you know, and it, and it's you can you can really only go wrong in this when you when you deviate from that. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I I've talked before about The Walking Dead. The, mm. You know, and and sometimes The Walking Dead was good. They had a good couple of seasons. Oh yeah. But, but 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 then they got into this habit of of messing with the audience, right? Mm. Of 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 
of purposely getting you close to characters and then killing them senselessly, right? Yeah. Uh, and they did it over and over and over again. It's a gimmick. Oh. Another glitch. I love the face he's making right now. Yeah, it's a that's a good one. Yeah. It's definitely a good one. Oh, yeah. Let's see how long it takes him to come back. Um, and then he's back, sort of. You may want to try signing out and signing in again, Ryland. Nope. Didn't yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I, I'm here. I don't know if I should restart my router. It's weird because I'm hardwired in, but um, ah. uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, anyway. I stopped watching the. I thought honestly, I stopped watching The Walking Dead. There was an episode where they killed the likable black man and replaced him with a oh, different yes. likable black man. It, by the end of the episode. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. dude, you gotta. You can't be that trained. You can't just swap in likable black dude for other yeah. likable black dude. That that's really of course, of course they can, David. Of course they can. <laughs> for they me, do it regularly. For yeah. me, it was for me. It was when they killed Glenn. I mean, it was you know he was. Oh, the heart of, well, he, yeah, that was. Yeah, hard. I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was he was the heart of the show. Yeah. And and literally, I'm in the middle of an episode, and it becomes clear that Glenn's going to die. I shut off the episode. I didn't finish it. I never watched another one. Yeah, um, it, it, it was like the Buick that broke the camel's back. You know, I was yeah. just I was not going to watch it. I was not going to entertain it. And uh, and and you know, you can't do that to people. I don't think it, it's just you know, I, I, it's it's I mean, like we're we're coming in emotionally vulnerable yeah, you know, yeah. already, and and you're, you're just messing with us. You know what I'm but saying? But there are it's people. Just, there are people who love that shit and who yeah. and who want it. I mean, obviously the show is still doing really well. So it's you know, there are people who sign up. I mean, but look, you know, people watch reality TV, and that's a that's a syndrome I will never understand. I watched um, reality. I did it while I was laid up this weekend. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I watched uh, Love is Blind season four. Love it. Uh, as, as recommended by our uh, very, very dear family friend, Feeney. Uh, uh, if, if she's out there uh, whenever this airs, yeah, we had a great time. You were right. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. My wife and I, my wife, yeah, and I, you watched yeah. it too, Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, course. so yeah, I watched yeah. all the seasons. I yeah, watched, me too. Me too. I'm in. So yeah, it's the same thing we're talking about right now. Do you? Yeah. So I'm gonna say I already know, knowing you, the reason why you watch it. Mm -hmm. We all believe in love. Yeah, and we want to know if it works. Yeah, we want to know if people are going to survive the train wreck and come out on top. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it's it is an experiment, and you got to see, and it's fun and funny, and sometimes like heartbreaking, to see people go through the emotional, you know, roller coaster of trying to find things, see which people are being honest with themselves and others, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this whole thing, right? I I like that kind of thing, mm -hmm. but you know, no knock on the Kardashians, but it's not the same. Sure, that that's something else. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Uh, but this this is interesting because you you get a chance to see people who are authentic, yes, right? Yeah, like yeah. who are very serious, and then you get to see the absolute total bullshit of people. Yeah. Well, 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 well that's the thing is you can't hide, right? It's like they no, can, they, you they, cannot they, hide. Yeah, they can put on an act for a certain you know uh, uh, you know amount of time, but but at some point. At some point, they get caught, right? They and get caught. Yeah, it, 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 it all comes together, and people start calling out their bullshit. And 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 you're absolutely right. Where it's like, um, it's almost like you know, love is blind to me. It's like watching a sporting event where it, yeah, where we we are rooting for couples to succeed, or or we see that one of them is trash and one of them is really great, and we're rooting for that person to to get to, the 
to escape the gravity yes. of, of this black hole of a person. It's a right? horror movie and it's a rom-com at the same time. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. Well, well, and, well, 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 the stakes are very real because these are actual people who are, who are, who are legally married. Right? Yes. And, 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 yeah, it's, it, these aren't actors, you know, no. like they, they didn't go home to their families afterwards and forget their characters. It's like, they have to live in this now. And they take this yeah. stuff after the, after the time they're there, they take this stuff for a year or so on and they're still going at each other. And they're like two seasons of other people. Yeah. David, just try one season. I can't, I can't, I, 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 I can consider it a religious objection. You know I, I just, okay. I, I me, all reality that. TV is porn with the sex cut out. Uh, it's it's non actors uh, improving. And... No, I, I mean they, no. They, they, the other one that gets me, you, you know, you talk about because reality TV is is it's a huge landing pad now. And again, the, the, pro the problem we it the is. problem we have with the Kardashians is it's it's basically fiction, right? It's yeah. all oh, written yeah. and overly oh, yeah. produced, yeah. Yeah. and there are it's no stakes, and it's, it's insipid, and, and it's gross. Um, but it's like for me, what gets me is 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 like Gold Rush. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's like, yeah. like, like these guys have yeah. sold their homes. They're putting it all on the line. They've moved up to Alaska for a dream. They're trying to hit it big. You see them learning how to mine. Like, you know, some of these guys literally mine to death. Um, uh, uh, Deadliest Catch is another one where these guys are literally fishing to death. So, so now you're, that's my main realm. Yeah. I'm a naked and afraid guy. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love naked. I love survivalist kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, in my background, it's about survival, right? Like figuring yeah. out ways to survive. And, and being self-sufficient, I think what happens to us is that we forgot how to be self-sufficient Yeah. Uh, because technology has, you know, we rely a lot on that. We rely a lot on people who aren't making the best decisions for us. And then we complain about it, mm -hmm. but we still do nothing. Yeah. So it's that mentality, except it's more in the real world, practical, immediate, you know, visceral away that's why i love those survival shows um and trust me you want to talk about some reality that's freaking reality you know so yeah that's my whole i love that i'll watch that yeah it, yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, so yeah so so long with a way of saying david i don't think you can write off an entire mega genre of things there's plenty of shit reality tv don't, don't get me wrong uh, too, but, but, too but, much but, of what i watched and maybe these shows you're talking about are outliers but the average reality show, and I've tried a couple of them, the winner is the most venal, horrible person they can find on the show. Yes, yes. I know which ones you're talking and about. And to me, yeah. that honestly, this is me speaking, I think the reality TV phenomenon gave us Donald Trump. Oh, it taught I, people that being I'll back venal that up. and stabbing yeah. people in the back was the yes. way you win. It's the way you win. Like when I watched an episode of Project Runway, and you could see the producers engineering everything so the biggest scumbag would make it to the end yes. and ignoring all the times he broke. Like I watched one season because a friend of mine was on it. And I was just like, the producers are very clearly grooming this horrible person to win. And oh, it yeah. broke me on those shows. I'm like, I don't want to watch Injustice rewarded endlessly over i watched the first season of survivor and i was like this is about how being bad is good and we have taught an entire generation of people survivor sucks. a way to win <laughs> is to stab everyone in the back and it but it's like the most popular of those shows i know because it's the one and it's i'm sure like you know i've watched <laughs> cooking competition shows because there are no stakes in well, fact, yeah. the thing that makes me laugh, sometimes there's a really tense moment and the music amps up and I turn to my wife and I say, 
they realize we're talking about baking shit, right? Like, this right, is not, exactly. like this is not actually, no one's going to die. Like it's just about who gets to cook another thing next week, which is not really what I would call steaks. And you know, I know like, amazing, steaks. you know, amazing race I'm told is, has always been good in terms of that aspect, yeah. but it just kind of, I, I burned out on that stuff and you know, I got plenty to watch. Yeah, I am not like I have hours in my day that I cannot fill yeah. with, uh, you know, filmed entertainment that was scripted. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, I, I mean, here's yeah, here's the thing is like I, I, I think that, you know, placing it all in one basket is is problematic. You know, we've talked about how the entire independent film movement has moved on to television. Well, yeah, mm. in a lot of ways, yeah. most of the documentary film movement has moved on to TV also. You know, yeah. so so I, I, we we still have good documentaries out there, but but a lot of those people have moved on to television, and, yeah. and and so so when you watch Gold Rush or you watch Deadliest Catch or something like this, really what you're watching is you're watching a really great documentary. Yeah, there are there are shows like that. I mean, and I love a mine, documentary. Yeah. A friend of mine was a field producer on the one about addiction intervention. Yeah. It's, oh yeah, I, I got that. That was actually again not a bad show. Yeah. It had its heart in the right place. But the guy who I heard this from someone who was a producer on it, the executive producer pitched it as a comedy. They thought it would be hilarious watching drug addicts be confronted by their family. They thought that would be a laugh riot. And luckily they filmed one and went, no, this is the darkest shit imaginable. And we should actually present it that way. Cause if we present this as, isn't it hilarious how we humiliated this drug addict in front of their family was going to be a problem, you know, yeah. was going to, was going to make for bad TV, but well, all I have to say, my... I want... Oh, go ahead. Dave. No, I was going to say, I want to bring it back to the idea of hope and oh, okay. the, the, uh, there's a quote from Fellini that I've always loved where someone asked him about the endings of his films. And he always said a happy ending is unfair to the audience because they go out into the world and they're not happy endings out there. A set, a downer ending also unfair to the audience because they came in, they paid their $4. They, they want something. So he said, I always try for a hopeful ending, you know, Kabiria is literally almost murdered by the, the the scam artist that proposed to her, and she walks away from the murder attempt and runs into a bunch of teenagers who are playing music and having a good time, and she walks down the road with them, and she turns to the camera and smiles, and that's the end of that movie. And it's one of the greatest endings a movie has ever had because it goes, you know what? Horrible things are real and will happen to you, and your only choice is to walk down the road and listen to music. Like, that's... Yeah. Like that's that's how you're going to get through all this is you're going to find hope somewhere. And if you're incapable of finding the hope after the terrible thing happens to you, yeah. you know, I had unlike you guys, I had a relatively I mean, I had bullies and there was some poverty in there, but I had a relatively suburban Spielbergian mm. upbringing. My father, on the other hand, grew up in the Depression oh. to a. Italian family with 17 brothers and sisters. Yeah, well. You can't imagine that his parents had time for him in that family. And so in the same way that Ryland was taught morality by TV shows, he was taught morality by Frank Capra and Gary Cooper and Gene Kelly and uh, Jimmy Stewart and all. And that's where his morality came from. And he tried to pass that, I'd say, I hopefully successfully 
pass that along to me. But, you know, like, you know, Ray, Anthony, like you said about your siblings, he had siblings that were in uh, the, uh, <laughs> what is referred to as our thing. Uh, side trivia note, FBI agents are humorless and don't understand that when someone tells, when you ask them, what is the mafia, what do you mafia guys call it? And they say Cosa Nostra, that's not a proper noun. It literally just means our thing mm -hmm. in Italian. And they capitalize it and pretend it's a word that means something. It's like literally you've made our thing into a proper noun as opposed to a, you know. That's saying something he, on, what the, on a, what, such a high level. Yeah, what the guy told what the guy told them, it's the Volacci uh interview where that comes from and he they asked him what's it called and what he was saying is that it doesn't have a name and they went oh so the name is it doesn't have a name it got it that is what we will now call it for 60 years anyway <laughs> my uh, name is no name yeah um, yeah and then so, they capitalize so I, and it i'm going to tell you this and I, I david i think we talked about this before um so you know i have such a variety, a diversity of friends in right. every walk of life, as you have seen. Uh, but I'll tell you what's hilarious. I would say at least 70% of my friends with Italian backgrounds. We talk about the similarities between African-American. Yeah, see? Yeah, I think you and I talk about this too. We have talked Because about my grandmother had 13 kids. Yeah. Right? And, you know, um, I, I want to say that like some of my uncles or whatever, you know, they were part of the group that started certain gangs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and it's very interesting to me, the connection between the two um, and the similarities, because there's things that we can talk about that have so much crossover. Sure. Right. Um, which sure. is pretty funny. That's why I think that if you just sit, going back to listening, going back to paying attention, mm -hmm. right? I it's all a construct. Like I, I feel like the the polarization of racism and all these other different things is it's such a, a stupid ass construct sure. that that we live and die by. Yep. It's it's insane. You know, what I mean? like it 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 trips me out. Um so what I I'll I'll get somebody that'll that has uh read the first few issues of midnight tiger and they're like you know the fact that he's black in this you know multicultural thing doesn't it's there but it's not uh something that gets beat over the head with because there's some things that um you know everybody's going through mm -hmm. right and i love to hear that because it's reaching everybody but i also love to to get fan art from you know little african-american children who are looking up to this guy you know what i mean sure and and that sees because at the end of the day it's about a kid who sees a problem in his neighborhood and is not waiting around for someone else to fix it right right that's well, what it is you know and the representation piece like i was joking about nick fury but one of the it's not even a confirmed thing it's like a fan non-canon thing but there are no Italian-American comic book heroes. Certainly in Marvel and DC, there are zero. 
And one of the things that I could be mad about is like Nick Fury was the one guy who was crypto Italian American, mm. like where he was from Queens in the original version, like Steranko suddenly makes him six feet tall, but it's like, if he's six feet tall, then Dum Dum Dugan is eight and a half feet tall. Yeah. yeah. Like he can't, he's actually Bogart sized. He's like five, seven to five, nine. He's a little <laughs> Italian guy from Queens. Right. And his best friend is this Irish kid who's not, you know, who's seven feet tall. But um, representation, you know, who have I got for Jews in the Marvel? I'm also Jewish. Who have I got for Jews in the Marvel Universe? The Thing? <laughs> yeah, you do. That's who That's that's who we were willing to you make. Got, you got Kitty non- Pride. Yeah, Kitty Pride was the, I remember when she was introduced. And I literally like every girl at my high school is that girl, is Kitty Pride. Like that was, that was a smart addition. Yeah. You know, but all that to say, like my favorite television show in the history of television probably is crime story because Mm. the good guys and the bad guys are Italians and Jews. And there are good Italians and there are bad Italians and there are good Jews and there are bad Jews. Mm. You know, there are the cops and the robbers and there's a, you know, um, the Sopranos in many ways played to me, like talk about documentary uh the number of times someone would say that uh, say something on that show and i would go i have heard people say that my whole life i've never heard it in a tv show mm-hmm. like that is a commonly held belief among my people that has never been said to other people and i'll say you know as a the 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 italian black thing there's a reason why the first scene in the in the godfather is what it is mm. we don't want to have sympathy for the mafia just yeah. like we don't want to have a great deal of sympathy for gangs dealing drugs. But the point of that first scene is if you live in America and you were an American who is not protected by the police and the courts, what are you going to do? Yeah. What exactly. do you got? What, what are you going to do when the white guy goes free for beating up your daughter because you're a guinea? Yeah. What are, what are you going to do about that? And what you're going to do about that is go to the guy who's going to take care of it for you. And that's the, that's the moral universe of it. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's, but you know, the, there's that wave of immigrants that become the police and the mayors. Yes, exactly. The Irish become the police decide, okay, we'll form the gang with the blue uniforms and that'll be cool. And then the Italians come along and go like, well, we're not in going to be in that gang. So we're going to do our own gang, you know? So there's reasons for all of that stuff to bubble up. But to take it all the way around, you know, we we create heroic fiction, particularly, and heroic fantasy, to give people something to aspire to, and to Absolutely. to give some people something to believe in. And you know, there's this expression that dropped about six, ten years ago, uh, copaganda. And while I understand the root of that, that cop shows sell you a world that doesn't exist you know where cops are certain people that good luck finding one of those guys mm-hmm. in an actual police force um you know i'm not i don't know that i can go all a cab but like you the same thing is true of the military there is a there is a portion of people who do actually join the police and the military because they watched you know, a, a a show about cops or the military when they were kids and they think cops in the military are good people. Yeah. And then there are people who are, 
you know, if I do this, I can walk around and do whatever the hell I want, pull my gun on anybody, yes. beat up anyone I want. Yeah. I can drive my cart whatever speed I want. I can yep. break any law I want. Literally, every, every asshole that I went to high school with became a cop. And, yeah. and, 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 you know, and they were, they were assholes at 18. And when they were 22 and had a badge, they were turned up to 11, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, no. And uh, the, the other side of that is I had a friend who was a writer in college who was a big admirer of Ernest Hemingway mm -hmm. on a lot of levels. Mm -hmm. And what did he do when he got out of college? He joined the army and became a medic in the first Iraq war. Because Hemingway was an ambulance driver. So he went, okay, I'm a writer. I should have real world experience. I'm going to drive an ambulance in Iraq. Yeah. Um, and that was, but he wasn't bringing it. I want to kill people. He was going, yeah. you know, this is a, this is a place I can be of help yeah. uh, and get experiences. Now he is a forensic uh, analysis analyst with the FBI, by the way. But you like, know what's crazy? You took, he took that and he translated it into his own, you know, way. And I think that's yeah. what we do for the most part, right? Yeah. We take, we are inspired by a thing and we make it our own if you're yeah. doing it right. I think the people who don't get it want to follow the exact path to get the exact result. Yeah. Or or some surface version. Of and that. they think that's the way the world works, which is yeah. very, very, very much does not. So I, let me I, tell you something crazy. Hold on, hold on. I'm telling you something. Yeah, crazy. yeah, go ahead. This guy right here, I yeah. took the deputy sheriff exam. I was oh, going to wow. be, yeah. I was going to be a, a, a cop wow. <laughs> So at 19. Now, let me tell you a great story, and it'll be very quick. So I go and I take the, the deputy sheriff exam. I'm living in Long Beach where I am now. As a matter of fact, not that far from where I live here. And, you know, passing, you know, the physical, all that kind of stuff. Then you go to the background check. And one of those questions in the background check and all that is, do you have family that, you know, have committed crimes, you know, criminal record, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. I got a shit ton of family. And they want you to be able to, you know, snitch, right? Like, are you going to be able to just say? So I, I'm talking to my father about this. Um, and I can't even remember to this day what I put. My father reveals that before he uh, got the job working at the post office, he married my mom. He was also going to be a cop. And when he met her family and the same questionnaire, he's like, okay, that's out. Can't be a cop. Yeah. I did the same. I did the exact same thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't be a cop. Because yeah. first of all, I'm not going to rat on family. That's just not... That's not what I'm trying to do here. So that's, that's, um, you know, and if I have something I need to say to my family, I'll confront them myself. Right. But uh, I know what the system is. I know what they do to us. You know what I mean? And I thought, here's my altruistic thing. If I became a cop, maybe I could help. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that, I, there are people that approach the job that way. You yeah. Know? But hindsight's twenty twenty. At almost yeah. forty nine years old, I know now that a black police officer gets so much shit, mm -hmm. right? And and they have so. I mean, just police officer alone. Forget that. Just being black in America. If let's say either one of you guys don't get your degree, and I have a, an MBA, 
your high school degree will guarantee you more money than me out of college. Mm -hmm. So it's it, the deck is stacked against me anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I just do my own shit. I just do, I do what I want to do uh, in, in that way. So anyway, yeah. So there you go. I was gonna be I was gonna be a cop. Yeah, I, I mean similar story. So oh yeah. Um, so well, well, I mean, not, we got not, a lot of crossover, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But not, <laughs> cop, not not cop wise. But you know, I grew up watching Top Gun and Crimson Tide and Star Trek. I was going to the Air Force. Where you? Where were you going? I I I I literally had a congressional appointment to the Naval Academy. Oh, um, that's awesome! That and awesome. Uh, and I was going to go, and um, and it was my dad um, who fought in Vietnam who said, you know, hey kid, uh, you've been watching all this stuff, and um, you know it. It, you know, it ain't like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, 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 we had a very long talk and, and, um, and, you know, I had other options and, um, and he's like, look, if, if, you know, go to a regular college and, and, you know, if you decide you still want to go into the Navy after that, you'll, you'll, you'll go in as an officer, you have a college degree, all of that noise, you know, and, and, and he made a very strong case for it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then luckily I ended up getting a scholarship to the university of Michigan. So that, that made it easy. It's like, okay, well, this is, you know, th this will be free <laughs> and it, it, and it's a, you know, it's a top university and all that stuff. And so I did that and I was pissed off that I did it. Cause I had this whole plan. I was going to go into, I was going to be a political operative. I was going to do all these things. Uh, but, but it was, it was going to start with a, a, a storied Naval career. Right. And, um, and, you know, went to Michigan and, and, you know, my, my world, I mean, my world was, was as big as a postage stamp, you know, when I, when I went to the university of Michigan, but university of Michigan, you know, it's like, I literally where I grew up in Detroit, it's like, you know, you were, you were white and you stayed on, on this side of the tracks and, you know, and, and if, and, and everybody kind of stayed in their section. And, and if you moved out of your section, you know, you got fought or whatever. And, and there was just, again, my world was, was tiny. And I, I go to the university of Michigan, basically like Berkeley East. Right. And, yeah. And I'm introduced to, I mean, my world just blew up like in the best way, right? And That's realized good. realized the world wasn't black and white, and 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 that everything I thought I knew was complete fucking garbage, right? And wrote a mm -hmm. wrote an entirely new book for myself, um, and 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 of all things, I end up uh, you know being a a writer, studying film, and exactly, right? And art and art history, um, and. Uh, <laughs> And, and, you know, and the sort of like epilogue to that story is I would have been spit out of the Naval Academy, um, you know, like a minute after December 11th, basically. Uh, and, and, and who knows what my life uh, uh, would have been. But, um, but yeah, it was, it, you know, it was, it was basically my dad being like, look, you know, you've seen these very romantic uh, uh, plays about what this life is, and yeah. and that's not life, man. Like I've yeah. I, I've been there, <laughs> you know. And so David, you're gonna enjoy this. Here's yeah. yet another thing. I don't know. I feel like Rylan and I have some kind of connection. My dad gave mm -hmm. me the same speech, except he was a little harsher. Okay. So mm -hmm. I was in ROTC for two years. Air yeah. Force ROTC. I was going gonna be a pilot. Oh wow. I took the the ASVAB. The ASVAB I killed it. Yeah. And I was excited. And for me, it was Top Gun. Yeah. So, um, you know, and they're pushing you and, and the, the, the flight commander and all that, they're in there and they're like, oh, yeah, you, you got this thing. I was headed to college uh, for two years. Uh, you know, you do two years as a JC, you go in as an, uh, a low level officer, all this other kind of stuff. I would go take trips uh, to Air Force bases regularly. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, I was I was at in that. And my dad, who is super, it was super cool, also a Vietnam veteran, uh, also passed away from cancer, um, told me, and he never like tries to like tell me anything forcefully, he just kind of lets me make my own decisions. He's like, hey, don't do that. Do not go into the military at all. Um, you know, he he's like, it's not for you, it's not for anybody, for yeah. to be quite honest with you. Um, and anything can happen. Uh, but it's for us, even though he had a pretty, I don't want to say great time, but he didn't have the same issues as a lot of, uh, and he got drafted, a lot of black people uh, who got drafted and it was this racism and all this kind of stuff. His, he was the only black guy in his platoon, but they treated him like he was awesome. You know what I mean? So, uh, but that was his experience. That yeah. being said, he never forgot where he was. I mean, he's from Mississippi, mm-hmm. so he it, it's still there. Right. Uh, so, you know, he says, don't, don't do that. You have so many talents. You have so many things you could do. The last thing you should do is that. And yeah. I'm not going to tell you anything else. He was so adamant about that. And I, I, you know, I decided, okay, I'm going to listen because he doesn't tell me to do things like that. Yeah. A year later, I graduated. It's 1992. I would have went in the desert storm. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. uh, my dad, I go to my dad's, I don't know where I came from. And he was so pissed off. I was like, what's going on? He's like, you know, the Air Force came to our house. And he's, you know, they're they're bringing your test scores back and you're doing this. (laughs) Right. Like, they're really trying to get me to go. Um, And he was so pissed off. He just hated hated the military, you know, in that way, at least for me. So he he shoot them on their way, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and it was, you could see the look on his face. It's such a nice man. And I'm going to bring all that back to Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. You could, you know what my favorite line is, right? Love it. What is it? I'm not going to say the whole thing, but the yeah. last few sentences. Yeah. Be nice until it's time to not be nice. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, that's my way of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. And we've been circling this, right? Because I, I almost said it when we were talking about the, the uh, David's um, pay attention comment. Uh, I was going to say it then too, but we yeah, were, we were. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I, I am an ordained Soto Zen Buddhist monk, weird line in my That's bio awesome. that we don't need to get too much into, but I teach this stuff. The Buddha, you know, one of the, one of the great uh, uh, spiritual teachers uh, of all time, he taught two lessons. And the one was meditate, which basically means sit down, shut up, listen, pay attention, right? Yeah. So that, that covers the one thing. Uh, number two is don't be an asshole, right? So we have, kind of, yeah. you, 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 you now just covered the second one. Yeah. Uh, do, you, uh, do, you know the, do you know the story of Rabbi, I think it's Rabbi Hillel, uh, a Roman centurion, and you know, we're talking about over 2,000 years ago stops the rabbi Hillel, holds a sword to him and says, I want you to stand on one foot and tell me what's in the Torah. Wow. And the rabbi stands on one foot and says, and I love this more than anything, treat other human beings as you want to be treated. The rest is commentary. I love that. There's nothing more That's Jewish awesome. than the rest is commentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're talking about thousands of words and pages but mostly it's us arguing about how to implement be kind to one another. It's Look. nothing, nothing is really the only thing that's inarguable. 
yeah. is treat other people the way you want to be treated. The rest is commentary. Echoed, exactly. e e echoed very poetically by Bill and Ted years later. Yeah, be excellent to each other. No, I, 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 feel, I feel the need to say that, you know, my, my dad was a World War II veteran, which is a very different war than Vietnam. Oh, yeah. And he had a relatively, I don't want to say a good time, but the combat he saw was very one-sided. The Germans oh. were in retreat. Wow. He didn't get he didn't take a lot of fire um and uh you know he got out of it uh he actually he got out of the army because there was a jeep accident right before he was going to be he was going to sign up for another hitch mm. and he had got in a jeep accident with an officer the officer blamed him and they they pulled two stripes off of him Damn. and he went well, one, you can't, that's actually not by the rules. You, you demote people one stripe at a time. He was so mad, he demobbed. And he always said to me, I was a, I would have been at, by the time Korea rolled around, I would have been probably a master sergeant with combat experience in Europe. They would have loved me. And I would have died in the mud in the chosen reservoir, you know, in 51 or 52. And that's bad. But what saved me, two things. Uh, my eyesight, like everyone who was four years old in 1969, I wanted to be an astronaut. Mm. Uh, at the time, I don't know how it is now, but at the time you could not have my eyesight and be a pilot in the U.S. Air Force. And at the time you couldn't be an astronaut if you weren't a pilot in the U.S. Air Force at some point. So that was out. And any other military aspirations I had... Um, I was enough of a political creature at the age I would have gone into the military. I wasn't going into Ronald Wilson Reagan's military. Oh, yes. And when I had to sign up for the selective service to get my student, my federal student loan, um, I remember being kind of glum about it. You know, you go down to the post office, sign a form, whatever. And I remember being kind of glum about it. And my mother said, don't worry, kid. I will send you to Montreal before I let that asshole in the White House send you to San Salvador. <laughs> it's like, well, you're never going to San Salvador. Montreal, you might see by the time you're 20 if things don't work out. Um, so, like, the the non-FDR-ness of Ronald Reagan saved me from, if we had had a good president in the 80s, you know, been... I, I, might, I might have been interested in serving in the U.S. military. Yeah. Um, again, because honorable people i knew you know most of my father's friends had served in world war ii they you know he was friends with a lot i met his i met his war buddies i met his writing buddies who were just fellow veterans wow. you know uh i did notice that all the fighter pilots were alcoholics so you know that that's a thing, <laughs> that's a thing to pay attention to we knew a guy chester morris who was in the uh chester morris can't remember his name uh who was in the uh literally was a flying tiger in the 30s in china wow. and that guy i've never seen anybody drink like that guy he you know fighter pilot over europe in the 40s uh in the pacific in the 30s and he was a drunk but anyway all that to say you know inspiring to be people to be good people outside of being cops and and <laughs> uh you know and and military men and all of that i mean that's the you know, Roddenberry was a was a bomber pilot and a yeah. cop. And yeah. as such, he believed that 
Starfleet would be made up of guys like him, you know, who were bomber pilots and cops and who were in it to serve mankind, not to uh, lord it over the, the people that didn't have badges. Right. So, you yeah. Know. yeah. And I, I feel the need to jump in here. And, you know, I mean, um, you know, we need people to serve. Right. It, it yes, is it is an honorable and, and heroic thing. And so I don't want that to get lost. I think it is such a shame that the experience has been so, I don't know, soiled. Right. Yeah, be, I, be, I would say so. Because of shitbags that yes. that good people like our fathers literally stood up and said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, you, know, right. you, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and part of that was that they knew us well enough to know what was right for us. I mean, absolutely. I, my, my world was so small that if I had gone into the military, my, my world would have been, you know, it would have stayed just as small and who knows yeah. what it would be and, and what my, what my operating system would be like. Um, uh, uh, he knew, he knew that I was, thoughtful and i mean this as a compliment sensitive in a way and yeah. that and that i needed something else to become who i was supposed to become right yeah. and and yeah. that i wasn't going to find it in the military i was going to find yeah. it here there are a lot of people that need the military right i mean I, yeah, I, I, are. I, yeah there i grew are. up with a lot of people that were radical fuck-ups and then yeah. they went into the military and became men and came out and did great things only because the military gave them a purpose and gave them uh, a drive and all of these things. They found it there. I think our parents knew that we, that we weren't going to yeah. find what we needed there. And, and I think that's what we're saying. I agree. I, I don't want to confuse I it. I, I don't, I, no, I of don't want to, I, Of yeah, course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. And, and, again, and isn't it, really, it funny really that we all make... ended up in the same line yeah. of work? Is it, yeah. Isn't yeah. that, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it is interesting that, you know, again, a, a good father can, can look at his son or his daughter or, or whatever and, 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 and see this, you know what I'm saying? Like, it goes uh, back to what David yeah, said, our yeah. fathers paid attention. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I also want to say that the, I was lucky because both of my parents, suburban parents in the 1960s, the town that I lived in in New Jersey was essentially a neighborhood. It was like a borough of Manhattan carved out and dropped in New Jersey. Like wow. there wasn't a parent that hadn't been born in New York City. Like there was no one in my town that was born in New Jersey <laughs> under, you know, over the age of 30. Everyone else was living in New York, married, had a kid, looked around and said, I'd rather they not grow up in this squalor and I have the means to get the hell away. Um, and my parents were part of those means. And luckily they were extremely cosmopolitan people. And the social circle I grew up with was very diverse. Yeah. And my parents were for, for white parents in the 1960s, they were very conscious of racism. That's I will cool. never forget this story. There was a, when I was in the third grade, my math teacher was a guy named Mr. Morris black guy named Mr. Morris. And there was a fugitive black man who had escaped from police custody in our county and was at large. My mother came to school at the end of the day. I didn't, I, I was walking home. It was the seventies. Nobody, nobody walked kids home two blocks from school, no matter how young they were. I was like, Hey, I'm fine. But my mother showed up and I remember overhearing her say to Mr. Morris, 
I don't want you to get shot by some jumpy redneck Jersey state trooper because you vaguely resemble this guy on your drive home. We have a guest bedroom. Come stay with us tonight. You know, and he was like, no, I'll be fine. But thank you for that. That was an idea so radical to me. And so, but my mother was radical enough in her time and her place to go. Cops will shoot a nice math teacher on his way home because the emergency has given them an excuse to commit acts of violence and racism because this one guy is on the loose. And I never forgot that. And I also remember we, we sold a house in a nearby town to move into the one I really grew up in. And my father told me that like he showed the house to a black couple and the next day all the, all the windows in the garage were broken. Yeah. And That's he was it. like, so I was hearing about this stuff when I was five you know, and six and seven and eight. And I, I'm, I feel blessed that even though I grew up a fairly sheltered suburban New Jersey existence, my parents did not completely shield me from the reality of the world outside of my nice little suburb and even inside. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were willing to say the world is, can be ugly and racism is a real thing. And you know, I remember asking my father to explain racism to me when I was a little kid, and he did a, I thought he did a good job, you know, uh, and uh, and the idea that kids can't withstand that stuff yeah. is such fucking nonsense. It is. It is. It's, I always think about, I always think about the time my father explained homosexuality to me. Mm. I met the the publishing world in the 1970s in New York. I don't know that it's changed very much, was very gay. And uh, my one of my father's agents came to a party and he had a handsome young man with him. And picking up on something, I asked my father, and, you know, the name sounds like a, a cliche joke, Lyle Kenyon Engel. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's the, Lyle seems odd. Something about him is not like other men I've met. And rather than deflect, and I couldn't have been more than eight, my father said, well, there are men like me who are called heterosexual and heterosexual men marry women and fall in love with women and have relationships with women. Men like Lyle Kenyon Engel are called homosexual. They fall in love with men and have relationships with men similar to the relationship I have with your mother. And like, I guarantee you every child, every eight-year-old in the world, I went, huh, okay. Like, Right, there you go. Yeah. And, and you were done, right? Not my, not my thing. Not a, not a thing I'm interested in. But cool, cool. You know, good right. for Lyle. He's, he has a boyfriend. Great. You know, right, like right. But like it's, 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 it's not a big deal. That's the yeah. thing, man. Like, yeah. if you explain it rationally yeah. and not in a like, oh, Lyle, Lyle is a weirdo who wants to touch you. It's yeah. like, no, he really doesn't. Yeah, yeah, really a lot, doesn't. yeah, yeah. A lot of times you don't even need to explain it. I mean, here's yeah. the thing: is you know, my 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 daughter came home. She's six now. She came home when she was five. And she's like, uh, you know, great news. Uh, Rose and I are getting married. Her, oh, you know, awesome. her friend Rose uh, at school. And if I had said that when I was five, you know, my parents would have would have jumped down my throat, right? And and would have would have loaded all of this bullshit onto my hard drive. That's not how it works. 
you know, you don't want to be one of the, you, you know, people who do that are this and they're bad. Oh, yeah. And you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I wasn't born with any of that. My, my daughter was not born with any of it. She still doesn't have any of it on her, on her hard drive because, because we have not allowed it to happen. You know what I'm saying? And so, so when, when my daughter came home and said, I'm going to marry Rose, it's like, great. When's the wedding? You know, like I, I what are you wearing? You well, know, yeah, no, that uh, is definitely uh, not yeah, a time. You know, yeah. my father was, I was asking yeah. a question about two grown yeah. adults. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That yeah, did yeah. kind of require an answer. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, at some point, you know, I, but, oh, you yeah. know, but a five year old is going to take so much. But, but, you know, that ends up being the thing. And I think, you know, Again, my my dad, you know, my dad had faults, and 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 he would have he would have jumped down my throat uh, at that. But but I mean, back to back to this choice that Ray and I were talking about. Ray, was your dad drafted? He was. Yeah, and so was and so was mine. And I and I have this feeling that that his experience was similar. Where my dad was eighteen, and he had yeah. plans. He yeah. was he, he was he, he had something very specific he was going to do, yeah. and he had hopes and he had dreams. And but he was eighteen, and somebody said, some bureaucrat said, you know what? You remember your dreams? Like fuck that. Right. Uh, uh, you're 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 going here for 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 boot camp, and then we're sending you halfway across the world. And Hope you come uh, back. Yeah, the, this place that you don't know, and these people that you don't know, and here's a gun. You better shoot them because they're going to try and shoot you. Yeah. Um, and it completely wrecked his life. You yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? And he came back, and then and and you know, and he couldn't get a job after that, and people were spitting yeah. on him for the stuff that he had to do there, and it was it was it was completely terrible, right? And, mm -hmm. and 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 again, and so he sees me at 18 uh, with hopes and dreams and things I want to do, and 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 sees that. I don't even know what I want to do yet, right? Yeah. That that I have all of all of this all of this possibility before me, and 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 he sees me about to, you know, sort of opt in to the same thing that happened to him unwillingly, and there's a panic there, right? And and, and I think he saw that, and what he did was he stepped in, and he gave me the opportunity. Yeah. Again, to find that bigger world, to like learn yeah. that, you know, because because again, I mean, where I grew up, there was tons of racism, of course, but but um, but almost as damaging tribalism. Right. It was like oh, we yeah. just we stayed in our corner and we stayed with our kind and and anyone that, you know, anyone that didn't look like us or, or didn't talk yeah. like us or 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 just lived across an imaginary line. Like right. you know, they looked exactly you, like you them. weren't on the south side, were you? Were you I, 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 uh, east side? Isa, Isa. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, uh, and um and uh so you know so just a lot of yeah. You know, I I I I don't know it's like he, he saw he saw that, you know, he saw that there was there was something else for me. And in doing that, you know what I'm saying is like I just look at how my daughter's growing up now um versus how I was growing up and 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 there's no tribalism and there's no there, you know, there, there is no, there's no racism and there's no, and, and, and not everyone around her is a white person who, who looks exactly like her is, right. is of the exact same economic, uh, political, socioeconomic background. She's, she's going to a school and, and it is a, it is a melting pot in the best way. And she's being right. introduced to all perspectives and all backgrounds and, uh, and, and the stuff that, that I didn't learn about the world until I was 19 she learned when she was three or four, um, and but you and, made that a priority. You I, I, made I, that I, a yeah, priority. Yeah, I, I, I did, and and it, but it all tracks back to my dad kind of stepping in and being like, "Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you know, well, go 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 out into the world, and now because of that, you know, my daughter has this. 
she has this chance, you know, I'm like my and daughter, can, the world, my daughter can change the world because of that. You know what I'm saying? The it's world amazing. is a liberalizing place. I mean, there's, yes. there was a, there was a, uh, some anti-immigrant thing going around in England around the time of Brexit. And there was this great poll that showed that the people who really hated immigrants lived in small towns that were 100% white. And the yes. people that loved immigrants lived in London surrounded by immigrants. Like if you live in an immigrant neighborhood, you, you, you get over it real fucking quick uh, or you get out. But, uh, but yeah, that, um, and I, I should say my, you know, my parents, their relationship was an assault on tribalism. You know, oh. my father was born and raised Roman Catholic and my mother was Jewish. And amazingly, my father was so personally charming that my mother's family were okay with him, you know, their prized daughter marrying a divorced Italian mystery writer. Wow. Like, can you fucking imagine? With that's a kid, a by show. the way. With a that's, kid. That's a Netflix show. Oh, yeah. Well, my parents, I've always said, my, you know, my father was a hard-boiled detective novelist, and my mother was a Jewish women's rights activist. And I was like, that is a 1970s uh sitcom starring valerie harper and peter falk yes basically. oh my god <laughs> like that's a you know that's that's, that's colombo married yoda uh married rhoda Rota. 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 Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the that's the sitcom i grew up in though wow. personally personality wise they were very much like um gomez and morticia <laughs> they were that is my a father was like, and it also i have to say the thing about like gender stereotypes mm -hmm. when people talk about gender stereotypes i always try to you're what you're really talking about when you talk about gender roles are white anglo-saxon protestant american gender roles yes because in my cultures the man is the emotional out of control one and the woman <laughs> is the calm <laughs> rational no michael this is what we're going to do <laughs> you're out of you're out of your mind you know my father was the nuclear reactor and my mother was the control rods keeping him on earth, you know, from spinning out. And uh, so when people talk about traditional masculine roles and traditional feminine roles, I'm like, though, that isn't universal across every culture. No. Men in Italy cry. It's mm -hmm. not a big deal. Right. Very not passionate. I had, I had this great, um, it's funny. I actually considered getting, uh, getting credit for it. The last semester of my time at Bard, I got a job driving a German, ancient German art professor, art history professor, home on Thursdays. We were in the car for about 40 minutes, and we talked. And uh, he always sat in the front seat so we could talk. And he was very fascinated by the fact that I was an Italian Jewish kid who wanted to be a filmmaker and was making films. And I made the mistake once. He was... Jewish, this, this cat, this old Jewish professor, literally in 1933, he looked around Berlin and went, I'm going to the United States because this is some bullshit. And he came to the United States and volunteered for the United States Army. And when they asked him why, he said, I'm going to teach German to American soldiers because you know what? You fuckers are going to need to learn German. Like I think you knew something. Some, sometime <laughs> in the next decade, right? we're going to need German-speaking American soldiers. So he was an amazing cat. But I awesome. said something unfortunate about you know the arts being in the blood, and he said very gently, as someone who managed to 
avoid the Holocaust. Um, I am uncomfortable with the, with Jewish blood and putting it down to genetics. He said, but I'll tell you this, your father comes from a culture where a man being an artist is not an unmasculine thing. Italians are down with, oh, my son's a sculptor, my son's a painter, my son's a writer, it's great. Yeah. Instead of go get a job at the quarry. You know, it's like, no, we are, we are, we are people that value arts. And he said, your mother comes from a culture that values learning above all other things. Rabbi means teacher. Mm. The most venerated person in the world of a Jew is the teacher. So he's like, it's not shocking that raised by a woman who venerates knowledge and a man who thinks it's okay to be an artist, that this is what you want to do. That's what it is. Forget genetics. Forget you know, he, he's like, yes, you are the son of the son of Michelangelo. That's true. Mm. But it's the it's the community that creates Michelangelo's yeah. that you are connected to. It is the community that creates Einstein's that that's the heritage, not what's in your not what not what's in your genetic code. Yeah. Like, you know, I, you're, I would say and, so. And that's the and the idea of creating that community, even for people who are not a part of it. I also want to drop in that my father was not drafted in 1943, but everyone was being drafted. <laughs> and being the romantic that he was, he decided that either he could wait and be drafted to the infantry and die in a beach somewhere, or he could join the United States Cavalry because it was still called that at the time. Wow. Uh, and that meant tanks and jeeps and trucks. It didn't mean horses. Uh, but he liked the idea of being in the U.S. Cavalry. The great irony, and luckily it worked out for him, is that he chose it, and he was very upfront about this, because mechanized reconnaissance had the longest training period in the military. So he was thinking, I'm going to be in Kansas for eight months, learning how to drive tanks and fire every gun the Army has, and maybe the war will be over. The war was not over. I think he, la he lands in D-Day plus... 50 or 60, like 60 mm. days after D-Day, he lands in Europe. And the irony is he chose the cavalry because it has a long training period so he would be safe. And then he ends up in reconnaissance, the literal tip of the spear, the first yeah. guys to run into the enemy, the guys who are outnumbered and outgunned whenever they run into the enemy. Uh, so, but it worked out. Patton didn't manage to kill him. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's the, you know, with, with reckless... Uh, commands so uh but yeah we 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 gotta have you on again ray because we barely talked about comics i know i know we talked about I mean, you know what but this is great i yeah. i love that i love that you know all of us come from diverse backgrounds and we have so much in common mm -hmm. um and to me <clears throat> this it's worth every second that that we spend chatting Absolutely. And, share, and sharing this chat because we could have had this chat, you know, privately. We're all friends. Yeah. Yep. Right. But it's beneficial that we share. Yeah. I, I agree. And honestly, that's, you know, Ryland, when Ryland first pitched this show to me, that was the idea is let's broadcast the conversations that comic book creators have in bars when no one else is around. Oh, let's yeah. let's let everybody listen in on that. You know, and I and some I of them, not all of them. Not all. There is stuff that we will say after I click stop recording. You yeah, know, right. And then we can then we can talk the actual <laughs> shit. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, 
honestly, you're one of my favorite people in this business, Ray. And yeah, uh, thank you, you thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it's long overdue. And uh, and we will do it again sooner rather than later because there's so much more to talk. We did. I literally got as far as how did you get started in comics, and we didn't actually answer that question. Well, but you know that's the kind of question. How do you get started in comics? Well, how did I get started? Even you know recognizing comics as a thing, I want right. To- no, it, yeah. your 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 answer was the great start to it. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I I mean, when we're talking about story, you know, I mean, I'm I, I'm in the middle of a pitching a TV show to networks now, and it's like, and you know, you can talk for two hours and not say anything of substance, right? Yes. Like, <laughs> what, 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 what that what? No, I'm saying, but what that executive wants to know is what is this about? What is yeah, it really yeah. about? What, you know, what, what is, you know, what are the thematics? What is the meaning behind everything? And basically, basically what we did with this conversation is, you know, we asked one question and the question was, you know, what is it about for you? Right. Yeah. And, and then yeah. it led to, I mean, we could talk for two more hours about yeah. where now, we're coming from. With but I would stuff, say right? someone more astute could take yeah. our entire conversation and figure out for each of us yeah. why we're here. Yeah, th- th- this was about comics. This is this, this was about, about, this yeah. about, this about why we write and why yeah. we need to, what we're expressing, why we need to express this, where everything's coming from. And, and, and yeah, it's like you're talking about, you could, you know, you could pick up any of our books and yeah. see all of this stuff there. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting kind well, of commentary. I'm a, it, yeah. I'm always a big fan of turning text and subtext into text. Yes. Uh, which is right? what we're doing here. You know, like, there I, you, you know, we could, we could have made this all subtext. But instead, we went straight to text, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. You know, that is uh, that is ultimately, you know, the meat rather than the potatoes. Uh, not yeah. that there's anything wrong with potatoes. Uh, well, we and on that note, you can you tell that I haven't had lunch yet? Uh, that I've done yeah, because there's a lot of thinking, food talk. Thinking about potatoes. Uh, Ray, tell the kids at home where they can find you online and what you got coming up next. You can find me at Art of ray or ra height so uh it's ray height without the y so art of ra height at on instagram uh you can go to studio uh, studioskytiger.com sky is spelled with an e so s-k-y-e um and you can find me there uh, i'm on facebook too but not really <laughs> i you know i i'm there but not there uh sure. but yeah those those two places uh, you know that's where you can find me great and ryland I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That is R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. If you're just listening, I, uh, I have to spell it because it's not a real name. My parents just kind of drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. And so now I have to spell it for you. Um, but yeah, you can find all my uh, all my wares, all my books, all my good stuff. If you go to uh, the jump3.backerkit.com right now, it's kind of a one-stop Ryland Grant shop, as I said at the, uh, the top of the show. Uh, if you missed out on the jump Kickstarter, you'll get all things jump there and all things aberrant and banjax and you know all sorts of good uh, stuff. But um, yeah, other than that, just um, you know, uh, sit down, shut up, don't be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and do the work. There you go. If you don't, if you want to do the work, do the work. It's yeah. fun to call yourself an artist or a writer, but uh, a lot of people do that without actually doing the work. You love the work, do the work. And love it while you do it. That's the that's my other nickels worth of uh, <laughs> advice. I'm one of those people. I I should I got this from my father, but I have no real patience with people who are writers or artists and bitch about uh, bitch about it. Like, don't you yeah. love to draw? Then love it. Love drawing. It's fantastic. It's a crazy way to make a living. We've all we've all done things that were less fun than what we're doing right now. 
I know that. You know. It's uh, working. It does be working. And it's easier to say that when you've when you've worked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you and you and you know what that like. I can I can still remember being up in a you know crane manning a 12k at three in the morning on some shitty low budget movie going, it's gotta be a better way to live than this. Oh geez. Um, I can be found at uh davidavalonefreelance.com. That branches off to everything. I'm I'm starting to launch a thing on Substack. I haven't even done the first um, essay on there yet, but uh, that's the that's the newest social media site I'm trying out while uh, Rocket Boy Trash is the one we've all been using for years. And um, as I said at the head of the show, the next thing I could come in is Elvira in Monsterland number one, which features every Dracula you know and love. And uh, that'll be May 17th. Go pick it up. And thank you for watching the Writer's Block. Thanks, guys. Be excellent to each other. <laughs> Roadhouse. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of your crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>